Well, it's good to have you here, and uh, we're going to continue in our series on Ephesians, God's Mystery Revealed. Today is uh, kind of the, the, uh, the focal point of, of that understanding of the mystery that we're going to talk about today. And, uh, but before we do, I just thought I'd talk a little about how much prayer I need, because this is a picture that was... Uh, <laughs> This is a poster that was in the lobby. I took it down because I wanted to show you on the screen. But as you could tell, that debonair Jewish guy is me on the Ben-Hur poster. And I just tell you, I need prayer. Because Chase Duncan, that's all he thinks about all day, is what he can do to me. And that's what he did. So can we pray? <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for this time, and we ask, God, that you would be with us, that you would help us to, to understand your plan and your purpose in each one of our lives. And Lord, each person today is coming with things that they are hoping for in you, and, and they are desiring to know and understand and be set free from. We pray that today would be a day of freedom. Do you guys agree? Of life, of hope, of joy in the Holy Spirit as we share your word today. Just take a moment right now and decide in your heart, just between you and the Lord, that you are going to be open to what he has for you today because I believe that he has something very special for us. Lord, we open our hearts to you. Open the eyes of our heart that we could hear, that we can understand, that we could be transformed and healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I, you guys know that I had like three heart procedures, and, you know, those things, they cost a little bit of money. I have insurance, and that's good, but, you know, they cost a little bit of money. And I kind of thought, you know, my, my arteries, they were clogged, you know, and I kind of thought, hey, I'm going to come out and, and I'm going to get a lot of energy. And, and, and what I realized is you, you don't get that much more energy. You, don't get, you get maybe a little. But I really think that I should get a refund. <laughs> come on. I should, I'm 56. Don't you think I should at least be 40 with three surgeries on my heart? I want to have some more energy. So anyway, just telling you my Woody Allen complaint for the day. We're going to read the scripture today that, uh, that we're studying. This is Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to read it all together. And we're not the best at doing this, but we're going to do our best, all right? It's okay to, to read together, right? And to get the word of God in our souls. So, so let's do it together, all right? I'm the one who really blows it usually, so that's the problem. All right, here we go. For this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, 
members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Take a breath. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Aren't you glad that we get to approach God with confidence? Isn't that an amazing thing? It's wonderful that, that we don't have to worry. We don't have to like walk into God's presence and, and wonder if he has a bad attitude about us or he's angry at us or he is, is, uh, doesn't have the time for us. He always has the time for us. He always loves us. He is always drawing us unto himself and welcoming us as his children. What a great thing to know, isn't it? Well, first we're going to talk a little about context on this because uh, when, when you study a book, it's good to understand everything that's happening around it. And we see in this context some, some important things that we want to look at. And the first is that Paul is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And um, that is an important thing to know because when you're a prisoner, and I'll show you a picture of this. I actually uh, went to a prison just like this. It's Caiaphas's house in, in Jerusalem. This is where Jesus was probably placed. Not this picture, but one just like it where I went uh, a couple of years ago. And what they do is they lower prisoners down below in a cell and that's it. And they, there's no ins, there's no outs. There's just a hole that people get raised in and out of. And, and they and that was a place where Jesus was probably held in Caiaphas's house. He had a prison there. This is the Tullinium, which is in Rome. It's probably where uh, Paul and Peter both stayed for a short time. And these places were used as holding pens for people to, before their execution or before trial. Many times people would die in these places. They were pretty, pretty disgusting, as you can imagine. And he's telling us this on purpose. He's telling us that he is in prison on purpose. He is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And he's trying to raise the ante because no one, when they're in prison, talks about if their laundry got done, right? They don't talk about that. They talk about the things that are the most urgent. If you've ever visited someone in jail or prison, they don't want to talk about the casual things about life. They want to talk about what is really important, what's really on their heart at that moment. The things that the, all these circumstances have brought them to right now, and that's what they want to talk about. There's no casual conversation in prison. And Paul is bringing this up for that very purpose that we would know that what he has to tell us right now is not casual. There's nothing casual or unimportant about this. This is one of the most important things that we should know as Christians, as people that are following God. We should know this. And so he is specifically saying 
that he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. It's a moment of clarity for Paul to be able to communicate to us. And he says that it is up for the sake of you Gentiles, for the sake of you Gentiles. And that's for all of us, right? I'll put myself in that category, even though I'm not. Uh, but it's for the sake, for all of us that he's there. He recognizes that he is suffering in jail for others' sake. I think it's an important point to make that we need to understand that God places us in situations, in our work situations, in our neighborhoods, for other people's sake. That's why we're there. Aren't you glad that Paul knew and did not resist the fact that he was in prison for our sake? That he wrote this down and gave us, gave us the inspired word of God? so that we could grow and become all that God has called us to be, instead of just grumbling in the corner thinking this stinks, he knew that it was for our sake. I want to encourage you. Realize that you live your life for the sake of others as well. You are there. You are in the families that you're in on purpose. You are in the church that you are in on purpose. You are in the neighborhood and in, in, in the work environment on purpose for the sake of others. Paul's paraphrase would be here, I am in prison for the sake of being able to share with you the most important thing I could possibly share. And that makes it worthwhile, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And then, in, in verse 13, so here we have, he's talking about being in prison, and then we're going to talk about this middle portion in just a minute that we're looking at, uh, and, and then in verse 13, which is the end of our portion, he, he once again is talking about prison, and he says, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings, which are your glory. This is, this is what is sandwiching in. His perspective is helping us to understand what we need to learn right now. And it's a comfort to us. It is to our glory. What he is about to say is of the utmost importance to us. And he is willing to suffer to say it. That's a great thing. Do you think that's something to listen to? I think so. So now we want to look at the focus. We want to look at the focus. He's, he's already shared this in chapters 1 and 2, and we're not going to spend too much time on this, but it's important to know that when we talk about God's mystery revealed, it has a context, a focus, that is laser sharp and very clear. And the mystery gives a whole new meaning and understanding to these two concepts, the first being reconciliation. And Chase did a great job about sharing this uh, last week about us being reconciled to God. It says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, right before the chapter we're studying, it says, His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God. It is an amazing thing that we are reconciled to God. That there is a barrier that separates us. What's that barrier called? Sin. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And so we have this, this rock-solid barrier that's between us and God. 
But then Christ came in and he paid that price. He took that sin upon himself and placed it on the cross when he died on the cross. And now we are reconciled. We can come before God with confidence. We can come before God and be able to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. That is an amazing thing, isn't it? This is the beginning of the mystery revealed. The things that were talked about in chapter 2. Reconciliation. The second is reconnection. Again in chapter 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him... The whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And we are being built and we are a part of that temple. We are not only reconciled to God, but we are also reconnected to one another. We are a part, not just of a group that gathers on a Sunday morning, but we are a part of God's family. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of God's family. And it is these two first steps of reconciliation and reconnection that now brings us to the mystery that God has. Are you ready to talk about it? Okay, well, I'm not ready. So first we're going to talk about the nature of the mystery, all right? I want to talk about the nature of the mystery because this is so important. In, um, in our scripture today, in, in, in verses 4 and 5, it says, That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to you, to, was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This is Christ's mystery. You know, a lot of people, they think they got Christ down. They got it. I understand. I got it. Jesus Christ died on the cross. I'm forgiving you. Say, yeah, all right. Right? You do these little things, and I got Christ down. Oh, you got to go to church. Yeah, I go to church. I got it down. This is Christ's mystery, you guys. The profound mind of God. The things he knows that we have no idea about the glory that he has experienced that we cannot comprehend. We get to experience a little of this, but this is Christ's mystery. So I want to encourage you to be listening now, not with the understanding of you think you got this down. Maybe you've read the Bible a thousand times and you think you've got it. The mystery of God is more mysterious than your thousand times reading the Bible. It is more mysterious than going to church for a hundred years. It is more mysterious than serving God in whatever capacity. The mystery and the love and the power of God is beyond all that. So are you open to hear the mystery of God? Oh, good. We're not there yet. (laughs) Mystery can only be revealed by the revelation of God. It's the mystery of Christ. It was not made known to people in other generations, but it is revealed by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Mystery can only be revealed by God's Holy Spirit. 
And he describes, Paul describes this great revelation in his life. And, you know, he describes it several times throughout his writings. And he mentions it in, in chapter 1 of our book that we're studying in Ephesians. But now he's coming to it. And, and he, he wants us to know that the mystery of God is for us today. He is about ready to share that mystery as we read through these scriptures. The mystery of God is something that can only come from the heart of God. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.19, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. We have access to the revelation and the mystery of God by his Spirit. And then it goes on and gives an example. It talks about that in your own mind, the only person that can know what's going on in here is you. Unless you don't. And in that case, we have to talk. (laughs) It's you. And in the same way, the only one that knows what's in the mind of God is the Spirit of God. And that Spirit is given to us. And so we could know God's heart. God is not unknowable. Don't be agnostic in your thoughts about God. God wants you to know him today. Amen? God wants you to experience his life in a very personal way today. And how does that happen? It doesn't happen when you study and work and go to church and do all these things. It happens when you connect with the very Spirit of God in a profound and personal way. You need to wait on the Lord to do that. We are a very fast society. We need things instantly. We need to get things done instantly. If our internet isn't 100 megabytes a second, we just freak out, don't we? We freak out. Everything's so slow. God says, slow down. Wait upon me and know me. And God has revealed some of the mystery already. And we want to look at that. So God has slowly been revealing the mystery. First, he reveals it through nature. And we look and we see the scripture in Romans. It says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen and being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Nature communicates part of the mystery of God to us. His grandeur, his power, his sovereign nature, that he holds the stars in their place. Amen? The billions and billions of stars out there that atheistic scientists talk about are being held by our theist God in place. And named. Some of the mystery is revealed in the law. It says in in Genesis 12, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That second part right there, all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. He's speaking, God is speaking to Abraham at that moment, and he is speaking about the gospel of Jesus Christ in this Very, very early pre-emergent communication. 
That's the way the mystery is revealed, step by step throughout history. And we see it with the, with the prophets, too. We see that the prophets have revealed part of the mystery, step by step. And th- this prophecy in Isaiah, this is the prophecy that just knocked me off my horse. If you ever read this prophecy, if you ever wonder if God is alive, read Isaiah chapter 53, written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ and describing him to the T. That's who God is. Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. A Jew who had never heard of Jesus Christ a a few months earlier just looked at that scripture and could see nothing else but Jesus Christ. Nothing else. That's who it was. That's who it is. And God is revealing that mystery through the prophets. And finally, finally we see that the mystery is revealed through Christ. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. That's it. The past is the past. And now the fullest expression, it says in Colossians, the radiance of God's glory has been revealed and now we have clarity. Now we have clarity. This is the progression of the mystery of God throughout the history. Throughout history. And you know, when I was thinking about this and this progression, I was thinking of Jack Nicholson in that movie and he's on the, testi- on the stand there and he's testifying and he says, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> because, because there's no way we could have handled this once at a time. We, we needed history, the, the, the revelation throughout history in order to get it. But now there's more to come. And that's what Paul revealed to us. But before we get there, Driving you crazy now, aren't I? Before we get there, I want to just talk for a minute about the unlikely herald because that is Paul himself. That's Paul himself. Uh, in our scripture today, it says, although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of the mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God. God uses the least. Isn't that great? God loves to use the least. How many of you are the least? We're all that way. We are broken. We are needy. We have issues. And guess what? Oh, that's the man. You know, Eric was great about saying God loves to place the greatest loser up on the stage and use him, right? (laughs) I never said that before. (laughs) It's true. God uses the least, and he wants to use you and me. Not because we're losers, but because God loves us, and he loves to use us even in our imperfections. It's a glorious thing to be used by God. And then it says that he's going to make it plain to everyone, plain to everyone. 
the plain and simple truth. That's what he wants to do. Doesn't everybody just want to know the truth? I don't know about you, but I've been watching politics for the last year. I don't know who's telling the truth. Right? Don't you just want to know the truth? Paul Paul is saying right here. You don't? (laughs) Who said no? Paul is saying right here that he is going to make it plain for everyone to hear. It's exciting. We're almost there. Almost there. And then it's the administration of this mystery, which was for past ages kept hidden in God. This was not revealed until Paul shared it. What God's plan is, this spectacular plan about who we are and his call and the great why of the universe was not fully revealed until Paul shared this. So let's get to it. You guys ready? You're going to throw something at me if we don't, right? Oh, good. We're there. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Again, he is affirming what he's already talked about in chapter 2, that reconciliation has taken place and reconnection has taken place. We are now a part of God's family. We are children of God, and we are in his family. We have been reconciled, and now we are reconnected. This is a fabulous thing. It is a wonderful thing, but it doesn't stop there. That's only the beginning. That is only the beginning of what God has for us. Then it says, the great why, his intent. His intent was that now through the church, through God's family, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. First intent. This is not an accident. We are not plan B. This is not some casual thought about God like, let's just do it this way. I don't know. I don't have time to think about it. Let's just do it like this. Uh Uh-uh. This is God's intent. God intended for it to be like this on purpose, not by mistake, not an error in judgment. We are plan A. We are plan A. It's God's intent. What is God's intent? That through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known through the church. Are you kidding? The church is a bunch of hypocrites. Raise your hand if you're a hypocrite. Thank you very much. We don't rejoice in that, but we just know that we are broken people. This piece of art was drawn by Chris Stringfellow. If you don't know who he is, he plays the guitar up here. He's one of our main graphic artists. He's involved in other areas. He leads a small group with his wife, Amy. and He's the first person who came to Christ at our church. And uh, I only say that for the fact that this is what he drew. I like that he drew it but I like the comment that it makes. 
Let's read the scripture and we'll talk about it. This is the scripture that goes with that picture. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This is the picture of the church. Christ is holding up the church, and we are broken. We are worn out. How many of you are worn out? I think some more of you are worn out. Worn out. We are cracked. We are weak. But God puts us together as the church. We are reconnected. And through those weaknesses, through those problems, through those issues in our life, the glory of God is revealed. That is profound, you guys. There is nothing like it. Every other religion talks about how you need to be good to make an effect, to make an effect on God, to make the effect on others. It is only Christianity. We don't celebrate being bad, (laughs) right? But we recognize who we are. It's okay to recognize. Just wipe your forehead like that and say, phew, I am this. I am the way I am until God changes me. And it's okay because he accepts me. And I am connected together in the body of Christ and God's glory is revealed in an awesome, powerful, profound way. Amen. We need to remember this because, you know, when I think about Chris and I think about the things that he's gone through in his life, the things that God has delivered him from, and he shared it publicly, the things that he's been delivered from, the things that he has been set free from in his mind, the issues that he's faced. That is what he got back then in the middle of it all. Can we all not accept that this is our calling in God? That though we are broken, though we are imperfect, though we are really unable and probably are just trying to stay afloat each and every day, God has combined us together in the body of Christ to radiate his glory. The implications of this are amazing. You know, we look at a small picture of ourselves. You know, we look at a selfie of ourselves, and we think that's it. We think that's it. But that's not it. This is it. This is it. This is what it's all about. Our world looks like this sometimes because of all the things that we struggle with. Right? And I don't know about you, this is what happens with me. When I'm struggling, everything closes in on me, and I'm thinking, me, 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 me. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> me, 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 me. And I, I'm, looking, I'm looking at this little thing, and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And the reality is, is that we are the body of Christ. And in those imperfections, in those issues that we see and that we understand about ourselves, God is using them for his glory. That's the church. People say, I, don't, I like Jesus Christ, but I don't like the church. You can't do that. You can't do that. Because this is God's intent. 
His intent. Come on, think about it. He died on the cross. He could have thought of a million things to do in order to make this a more improved idea, but he did not. He made it this idea that through the church, he would be glorified. Whoa! That is amazing. Do you agree? And it's God's wisdom was made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This is, this is really important because this is not just about us doing something here on earth, although that's very important. We are here to be a light to this planet. You are here to be a light to your neighbors, to your friends, your family, your coworkers. We are here to be a light, this church, to this, this community in wonderful ways. We love that we have Jesus feeds, that we care for those that are, that are struggling. Aren't you glad? We love that we have uh, the feeding of the homeless on Fridays. We love that we have community groups to build up the body of Christ. That is important to build those relationships. That's important, but that's only part. The other part is this, that God's wisdom would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I want to give you an example of this. This is Job. This is exactly our lives. How many of you think Job is your life? (laughs) This concept is all of our lives, okay? You might not have a Jobian life, but this is true. The devil comes to God and he looks at him and he says, I challenge you, God. That Job guy, he only worships you because you bless him. That's all. That's all. And here is the accuser accusing exactly what he does, right? That's what he's called, the accuser of the brethren. Yes? He's called the accuser of the brethren and he is accusing before God. He's saying, Job would never praise you. He would curse you if he had pain in his life. And God said, okay, see what you can do. And he protected his life, but he let the devil do what the devil did. And it was a struggle for Job, but Job never cursed God. But this is the cosmic accusation that is out there for all of us. The devil is pointing to us. And he is accusing us before God. And this scripture talks about that the, the manifold wisdom of God would be released, not just in this world, but that we would shut the devil up. Shut the accuser up. Those lies that he tells, the attitude that he has, that we would shut him up, and not just for one minute, for eternity. If you want to know what the call of the church is, it is to reconcile people, to reconnect as the body of Christ, and in so doing, become the light of Christ that eventually shuts down the devil forever. That's what we're for. That's what we're here for. That's what we're about. Coming to church is nice, but it's good to know the whole picture. 
You know why? Because it's easier to struggle in struggles when you understand the grand picture. Isn't it easier with that understanding to know why you might be going through struggles? Like Job, right? It could be that you were shutting up the devil right there in your life because in the middle of your trials, you are praising the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? And as a church, that's what we're called to do. We got to do that during this mourning period. Now as we're Moving forward, we get to do it as a church, bringing glory to God in new and profound ways. This has cosmic implications. And this is why Paul prayed such an important prayer. Is that where we're at? Yep. This prayer is in chapter 1. And the reason why it's in chapter 1 is because Paul knows exactly what he's going to say in chapter 3. And he wants us to really get it. And so he prays for us. He prays that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened in order that we can know the hope to which he's called you. Do you know the hope that God has called you to? It is so much greater, so much grander than just getting by each day. Amen? Amen. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, listen to this, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. Do you think he knew what he was going to say in chapter 3? He did. He knew exactly what he was going to say. He was going to say, guys, We are about the mystery of God, which is his intent that the church give glory to him and shut the devil up forever. Shut him down. Why are we here? We're here for encouragement. We're here for support. We're here for healing. We're here to grow your life and impact your world. And live God's dream. This is what we're here for. That dream is bigger than we had ever imagined. That's what Paul's trying to say here. It is so easy to think, but I am just me. I could barely tread water. This world is not an easy world to live in, and it is easy to just think that you're treading water. But even in your treading water, God is getting the glory. And you could see the victory. The victory that God wants to bring into your soul, into the souls of the lives around you, and to shut the devil up. Look at that guy over there. He's struggling. Is he cursing God? Or is he praising God? That's a good question, isn't it? Can we praise God for what he's done in our lives? Can we praise God for not only the blessings, but also through the trials? Can we praise him? That's the church, giving glory to God. That's why we spend so much time worshiping him on Sunday mornings, because he's worthy of it. He is a great God. And he is worthy of it regardless of the trial that we're suffering. And when we do that, we put our foot 
on the neck of the devil and we say, you shut up. I think it's thrilling when you think about the whole story. It's good that we're reconciled. It's phenomenal. It is phenomenal that we have a church, that we have a family, that we're reconnected. But understanding that we are a part of this grand plan of God's to reveal his glory, his manifold wisdom to all the spiritual beings in the universe is phenomenal. It says in Ephesians 1, 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We are to be that. God fills us and we fill the world with his glory. That is the plan. That's the plan. I want to be a part of it. What about you? Do you guys want to be a part of this plan? Because there's nothing like being a part of God's plan. There's nothing like it. That's what we're about at the Adventure Church. We are about seeing God's dream for all of us revealed and executed in an amazing way. And in so doing, God glorified. And then it talks about according to his eternal purpose. That's how this was communicated. According to God's eternal purpose. His purpose was this all along. It was never by mistake. Never. His motivation comes all the way to this point, and we see in this scripture, if you want to know God's eternal purpose, look at the book of Revelation. That can't hurt, right? The end. You look at the end, and you see what he says, and he says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Why? For the accuser of the brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. That's the plan of God. That's the great why. That is the mystery of God, that we would be that as a church. Are we perfect? No. But that great, beautiful jar that Chris drew is the example of who we are. That is who we are. And when we are that, God is able to be glorified in our imperfections. His grace is sufficient for us, for His power is made perfect in what? Weakness. There's no other concept like that in the universe. That's it. That's it. So we're going to have somebody come up and play and we're going to close with this and just respond to the Lord. You know, um, have you seen this picture this week? When you think about the literal nature of this picture, this is a boy, if you don't know it, who was, his entire house was blown up with his family in it in Aleppo. And it was done by this demonic ideology. People executing this demonic ideology in the world. I believe his brother died in the last day from this explosion. And here is this kid and he is totally numb to what what has just happened in his life. What has just happened? 
This is the spiritual battle that we face. Shall we not stand up and become the church? And someday, very soon, never see a picture like this again. I never want to see a picture like this again. Guess whose God intended to bring that about? Us, the Church of Christ. The Adventure, South Mountain, The Rock, all these churches that we, that we work with together in joint unity and love for one another, we are here for that very purpose of revealing God's glory to all the earth and heaven. Could you guys stand with me? It says in the scripture, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principality and powers in the heavenly realms. When we realize what's real, we are able to deal with it in real ways. So when we know what our call is, then we can address it. When we know that our battle is not with our spouse, when we know that our battle is not with our finances, when we know that our battle is a spiritual battle first, then we can address it and see God glorified in our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, right now, we just, I, I just want to give you an opportunity right now. You know, this, this seems like a lot and, and you just thinking, I am just treading water. I am just treading water. And if, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand so we can pray for you. If you feel like you're just treading water, that you're struggling in life, that's good. Just raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. Lord God, we just lift up. We come alongside those that are raising their hands right now. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would refresh them. Lord, you are working in their lives and in their circumstances. Let them see the way they need to see. Let them hear what they need to hear in order to be able to be sustained during this difficult time. And in so doing, give glory to God. Give glory to God like Job. Give glory to God. Minister to them, Lord. Give them the peace that passes understanding to guard their hearts and their minds in Christ. Thank you, Lord. And now I just want to ask if there's anyone here who has not felt reconciled to God. That's the first part of this whole vision is, is we are separated from God because of sin. The wages of sin is death. It has separated us from God. But because of what Christ did on the cross, we are forgiven. Should we accept that? And that might be you or it might be that you just feel far from God and you have and you want to bring more reconciliation in this area if that's you could you just raise your hand so we could pray for you good anyone else yeah yeah Lord God we just ask right now that you would reconcile our hearts you know the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord we shall be saved can you just say with me, Jesus, you are Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can receive that salvation. We worship you today. Before we close, I think I made this clear.
that we can enter into this or we could pretend that we did not hear about this mystery. This is the Adventure Church. And I would just like you to raise your hand if you are willing to enter into this mysterious revelation of God that through the church, the wisdom of God would be revealed not only on earth, but also in heaven. Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We, we choose to become all that you've called us to be for your name's sake. As a church, as individuals, be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Next week, Jody is going to uh, speak about the prayer in chapter 3, which is amazing. And then we move into chapter 4, which is the how. How do we live out this great mystery that God has talked to us about? So have a great week. God bless you. If you'd like prayer, come forward.